We can always just watch a scary movie at my place. Dude, we need something super creepy or I'm out. You want something really creepy? How about a night locked in here? Pop a Halloween store in a creepy lot? Awesome. <laughs> Booyah! Final notice. A spirit that can't let go of his life? Possibly someone who died here. Alec Windsor. We're doing something Saturday. Three of us, best holiday of the year, just like always. But the store closed and we're still inside. You mean the store's locked and we're trapped inside? <laughs> Was that there before? Ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. Is Alec Windsor roaming tonight? What does he want? One hour on the anniversary of their death, they can possess things or people. Death will end tonight. Did not answer his phone. He's with his buddy. <laughs> He's fine. Holy cow. Seal with a sacrifice to set him free. Carson, now! The girlfriend getting real scary. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you doing? Greetings and salutations, trick-or-treaters. Yeah, I'm just sitting here getting my costume ready. I know I'm incredibly early, but, you know, when your costume's mildly intricate, you kind of got to start early. So, yeah, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, so don't even ask. That'll be a reveal for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's our last episode before we officially hit October of 2022. So, I guess t- technically out here, summer just ended officially. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, officially. Summer never ends out here. It's still 95 out here. <laughs> yeah, I think it was about 93 here today. <laughs> All right, joining us as always as well. It's Don and Nelly. What's up, Don? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Always great to be here. All right. Well, today we are doing um, a first of sorts on Fresh Cuts. We are actually covering a movie that has not officially been released yet, and it's uh, going to be available what in a couple weeks, October 11th, I believe it is. Um, we were lucky enough to... Uh, receive an advanced copy. So that movie is Spirit Halloween, the movie. And if you're unfamiliar, yes, it's uh, <laughs> the Spirit Halloween store. Um, so I- I'm assuming they just the name of it gave it away, but uh, you never know. So uh, this is a rated PG-13, as you would imagine. I mean, I would have imagined that a movie with that theme would you know, not be a hard R type horror movie anyway, but just in case anybody was wondering, PG 13. So synopsis, when a Halloween store opens in a deserted strip mall, three friends thinking they're, they've outgrown trick or treating decide to spend the night locked inside, but their night of spook filled fun soon turns to outlandish survival. 
how much uh, or how outlandish did it get? I don't know. Maybe we'll uh, get into that. So we'll start with our general thoughts on Spirit Halloween the movie. Kick it over to Mr. Venom. What did you think of Spirit Halloween the movie? Okay. Uh, First and foremost, folks, when you're going into a movie like this, whether you've seen the trailer or not, you should know kind of what you're in for. You should know that this is probably going to be a family-oriented Halloween movie. Obviously, if you see the trailer, it basically you know shows that. And so you kind of have to curb your expectations. Don't go into this thinking it's The Exorcist, for fuck's sake, okay? Um, so with that being said, I had a really good time with this movie. Believe it or not, I actually enjoyed most of my time with this movie. Um, I thought that the... Uh, the antagonist, the way that, you know, that basically was possessing different items in the store. I thought that was cool. I thought that the even the items that he chose to possess, I thought were all good choices because they were all downright scary. Um, and obviously there's no blood. There's no, you know, ma- there's no kills in this film. I think there's like one heart attack at the beginning of the movie and that's about it. But, you know, so obviously it is going to be kid oriented. It's going to be family oriented, something for the younger folks. And knowing that I actually, like I said, I had a really good time with this movie. This movie subverts a couple of tropes that I really hate in movies like this. Usually when you see a family friendly or or child based Halloween movie, bullying is always a part of it. Like 99.9% of horror movies that have a a younger cast, there's going to be some kind of bullying involved. And that completely was not in this movie. So not, you know, not leaning on that trope, I thought was really, really cool. I loved the camaraderie between the three friends. They're all very different, all three of them. You know, they weren't just carbon copies of each other. I thought they had a nice adventure with one of the kids' older sisters, I I, overall, I just really had a good time with this movie. Like I said, I curbed my my expectations knowing what I'm going in for. I know that it's, you know, going to be a kid's movie. And, you know, even even knowing it's going to be a kid's movie, I don't go in expecting the Monster Squad because not every kid's horror movie can be the the Monster Squad, of course. So the, the long and the short of it is I had a decent time with this movie. If you don't have high expectations for this and you just realize that it's a silly, fun little, you know, kids oriented horror movie. I think you're going to have a decent time with it. Obviously, being a fan of the actual store spirit Halloween, it's always good to see the store in a movie and to actually see the kids spend an entire night in there. I thought was really cool. A, A funny little idea. There's a lot of plot holes in this movie. I mean, right from the start, there's a major plot hole. that just doesn't make any sense to me. But again, you know, it's it's a kid's film, so I'm going to suspend disbelief a little bit extra than I normally would. And I'm just going to say that overall, I had a pretty fun time with this movie. I can think of a lot of other Halloween horror movies that I would not rather watch than this. Actual R-rated movies with gore and blood that I would that I wouldn't want to watch as opposed to this one. This was like I said, it's a fun movie. It's a nice gateway movie. If you have uh, if your parents and you've got some kids that you think are maybe nearing the age of being ready for horror, but maybe they're not quite ready for something like Gremlins or Monster Squad, I think this one's pretty good. Like I said, there's no on-screen death, no blood, and um, a fairly good um, script. Uh, like This is a first-time, both the director and writer of this film are first-timers as far as feature length goes. Both of them have done 
And that's David Pogue, the director. He's done shorts before, music videos, things like that. But this is his feature length debut. And then the writer, Billy Bates, uh, she's also done some shorts. And uh, and this is her feature length debut as a screenwriter. So for a first time effort, again, I thought I had a good time with it. I, there was no there was nothing cringeworthy about it. I didn't like roll my eyes at any particular scene. I just accepted that it's a silly little movie. And that's exactly what I got. And I had a good time with it. So, yeah, I'll keep it at that for general thoughts. All right. Uh, we'll move it along to Don. Uh, what are your general thoughts on Spirit Halloween? Yeah, um, I'm right there with Venom. Mama. I had a lot of fun with this one. And uh, as as a family friendly effort, I think there's a lot to like here. Um, as he said, the the central relationship with the kids is really fun. Um, I like that there's several different subplots going on that kind of bring them together um, on this adventure. You know, the desire to grow up, the desire to you know remain close with his friends who don't want to you know stay the way that they were you know before you know growing up the you know family dynamics all the you know little bits and pieces that we get here and there that you know lead to them you know wanting to spend the night there i i really liked it and it kind of you know had like a fun little immersion factor to you know get to them spending the time at the store a lot of the gags there are fun uh you know nothing scary i mean it's PG-13, I think, more based on language rather than anything. So, yeah, not a lot of, you know, like, really overt spookiness or, like, you know, nothing's really, like, overtly macabre or malevolent or anything like that. But there's still kind of, you know, for, like, little kids, you know, like a skeleton coming to life or a teddy bear or <laughs> um, there was one where there's kind of like a... Uh, I think it was like a, a spider like a thingy. crawler. Yeah, they call them the crawler. Yeah, there's like a giant like spider like thing that comes to life. And in the situation for little kids, yeah, they're kind of you know they're they're oh, they're obviously terrifying, but maybe they don't come across as you know like obviously malevolent as like an Evil Dead or you know and like a more like genre friendly or favorable possession type of a sequence would be but i mean you know it's pg-13 so you know go in with that and i i think you'll be fine with it um my main thing was that if for it being called spirit halloween it just didn't really seem like that was really like a central part of the film like this could have just been like a sit like an eat like a generic halloween store and it, it could have been the exact same thing so i don't really get the connection i mean it's been years since i've been to a spirit halloween i mean that's probably it was several years even before the pandemic hit, and it's been year, it's been years since. So I'm thinking at least like six, seven years since I've even been to one. So I, I don't know that it really plays as much as it was if I you know went back today. But yeah, it just seemed like the store itself was kind of just tagged on just to like you know throw in the nostalgic value, but. It's not that big of a deal. Um, okay, yeah, you got some plot holes, but uh, between this and uh, that one we did earlier this year, uh, the German one, uh, Strange House. Strange House. Yeah, this one's miles better. Um, I, I know that I said Strange House was kind of a good 
entry level horror film. I, I think this one is even better. So, yeah, if you like The Strange House, uh, then I think this one's going to be even better, and it's going to be a, for you know like a Halloween party for you know like the under ten crowd. I think this is going to be a fun little entry for uh, for those kinds of uh, kids. So. Yeah, uh, fun time, you know, for older fans, you know, check your expectations for this kind of a, uh, you know, this kind of a rating, this kind of a setup, but um, overall, I had more fun with it than I expected, so. All right, Um, so what I would say is, I I mean, I'm mostly there with you guys, it's a a fun kids movie, I I think the comparison then or not the comparison more the distinction Venom made where like there's a tendency to like lump all when people say like kids horror movies even even that is like almost too vague because you brought up Monster Squad and I would definitely say like even though looking back on it now you could call Monster Squad like a kids or at least like young teen horror movie even even that is like I would say more um, you know more advanced stage horror than this. This is definitely like something that as a parent, if my kids were watching it, I would watch with them just to do something with the family. But it's probably not something I would just sit down to watch on my own. If um, now this this is probably depending on the age of the listeners because I think Venom you you might have been already too old. Don, you might have been the right age, or maybe you guys remember the the Snick show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Of course. Like to me, this feels like on par. Like if they took one of those episodes and made it like a full length movie. Ha! I um, said goosebumps in my notes. <laughs> I said it feels yeah. like a really good episode of Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. See, I I figured. I figured Goosebumps is also an appropriate comparison. The thing is, I never really watched Goosebumps. Like, I always knew of it. And, of course, the book covers are, like, famous, whether you actually read the books or not. I would, by the time Goosebumps kind of hit it big, I was a little, you know, out of that age group. But I definitely was aware of it. But I figured, let me find something that I actually watched as a kid. And it'd be like, are you afraid of the dark? So I, I feel like this is about on par with that. But with that said, I mean, like if, if that's what you are looking for, like if you're looking for something for younger kids to get into and, you know, other than like the, the very basic type of frights that you would get from like an animatronic coming alive or something, it's not going to, I can't say all kids, all, you know, every kid's different, but in general, I think it's not going to spook your kids too much. You, you see most of these Thing is coming, and maybe because it's based around a Halloween store, Spirit Halloween store in this case specifically, like you, you're, I would assume like even kids would almost expect the type of uh, scares in this to happen. Yeah, obviously it's lower budget, so we're dealing with some CGI in most cases. But you know the characters and the relationships between the friends are fine. It's it's you know pretty good. So like I said, you, you I, I have to quantify it with you have to be seeking this specific type of movie out. I don't know mm-hmm. who it's going to win over. That's not specifically looking for like a kids uh, Halloween horror movie. But if that's what you're in the market for, because a lot of us out there have kids, young kids, 
Uh, I think he gets the job done in that area. So it's kind of like I'm endorsing it for that specific audience. But you know, if you're if you're like an adult or my age, I don't think it's something I'm going to pick out to like watch annually or anything. So, um, but it gets the endorsement for what it's trying to be. I think it's successful in that in that way. So um, yeah, I, I would you know you guys pretty much hit on anything I was going to say. So other than making the Are You Afraid of the Dark comparison, I didn't have a whole lot <laughs> to add. But yeah, I'll kick it back to you, Venom. Um. Oh, shit. What was I going to say? Oh, I am the complete opposite of Don in the sense that Don hasn't been in a, in a spirit Halloween in over six years. I haven't been to a spirit Halloween in about six hours. Uh, I'm there constantly. I'm sorry. I, I'm one of those nerds who it, I'm a corporate whore. I don't care. I'm, I, I make a good living and I don't have any kids. So, of course, I'm going to waste a lot of my money on frivolous crap. And you know what? It puts a smile on my face every time. As I look around my house, I literally am looking at two brand new Friday the 13th wooden signs that I picked up. Um, uh, a nightmare. Uh, what do you call it? An Elm Street street sign. Just, yeah, I I fucking love Halloween. Of course, Halloween for me, like my decorations don't come down. It's not like I put these up for Halloween and I take them down. No, I just put my Christmas decorations over them. And then for the rest of the year, my Halloween shit is out. I don't care. But yeah, uh, being such a fan of uh, Spirit Halloween, I did like uh, that aspect of the movie. I mean, yeah, they don't bring up the name Spirit Halloween all that often. And, you know, thankfully, because I was concerned going into this that it was going to be a 90 minute commercial. And it solidly is not a 90-minute commercial. Yes, they spend the majority of the film in A Spirit Halloween, but it never felt pandering or commercialized in any way. You know, It's not like they were talking about all the cool stuff you can get at Spirit Halloween or anything like that. Literally, like Don said, it was just a backdrop. But just because of the love I do have for that, you know, that uh, franchise, I... I found myself enjoying the movie. I mean, hell, even the silly little montage, we actually get a montage in this movie of the kids just playing with toys. You know, after they break into the spirit Halloween, we get like a two minute montage of this, you know, cool little funk song playing while the kids are just, you know, in slow motion playing with all the different cool props and toys in the store. And I'm sorry, but if you left me in a, in a spirit Halloween unattended, that's exactly what I would do, too. I'm sorry. I'd pull off the coolest costumes off the rack and start putting them on. I'd grab every toy that even moderately interests me. Oh, my God. I mean, that's probably why I really did enjoy this movie, because I felt like one of those kids. It, it was that that almost Disneyland effect where you're in the you know, you're ha you're in your happy place. And for for at least one of our three kids, their happy place was Spirit Halloween. So I did enjoy mm -hmm. that aspect of it. You know, it, it's. It's solidly a spirit Halloween movie without being pandering or commercialized. Yeah, like we we actually have another one. We have Spirit Halloween, but we have another franchise up here called Halloween City. And yep, it, we got we got that. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's similar. Halloween City tends to lean more towards costumes and decor, yeah. where uh, Spirit Halloween has those, but they also have like the memorabilia, which I always go crazy over, especially. Yep. Uh, last year and now this year because I guess they figured out killer clowns are are uh, <laughs> popular because last year I grabbed the candy uh, the cotton candy gun candy? Yeah. 
Yeah, and this year I want to um, see what other merch they have for Killer Clowns because it's 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 uh, I love the movie, but it's not something you see memorabilia for like pop up randomly in places. So yeah, it's like take advantage where you can get it without having to scour around for it. Definitely, definitely. All right. I mean, there's not like I said, there, as Mike has already kind of alluded to, there's not a whole lot to discuss with this movie. Um, so. If no one else has anything to say, that's non-spoiler free. I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, I would. Oh, what's up? I would just say. I mean, the only thing I can think of that I really haven't mentioned much is it was cool to see Christopher Lloyd on screen again. Haven't Absolutely. Seen yeah. I mean, you know, we haven't seen him since what? Uh, nobody since that uh, Bob Odenkirk action movie, and I loved him in that too. Ultimately, he does play a kind of villain here, like. When I was talking about plot holes, there's a lot of elements of this plot that don't make sense to me. Like, you know, yes, Christopher Lloyd, when he was alive, was definitely a shyster and a bad guy. But is murder the proper response? I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence on that one. (laughs) Um, Obviously, there's a supernatural element here. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration as well. But like as I'm watching the movie, I'm like. Yeah, Christopher, you know, Christopher Lloyd has an attitude. He he seen, he comes off like a shyster, like a land baron who's just stealing land from people. But at the same time, it's like what if he's what if he's just eccentric? Like what if he's not necessarily a bad guy? He's just kind of an asshole who's eccentric, you know? I so it, it's you know, that element of it kind of left me like I wish the villain was more of a villain if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, this is a kid's movie, so it's not like they're going to show Christopher Lee, uh, Lloyd, uh, you know, killing kids in the cold open by any stretch. I understand that. But I would I wish he was a little bit more on the evil side so that a lot of what we see in this movie would be more justified. Um, either, I don't, either that or like you would think in like a kid's movie like this, he wouldn't even die, period. Like he would maybe have some type of curse. And then like by the end, he sees the error of his ways. Yeah. And now he's like good Christopher Lloyd. You get that a lot in kids' movies, too, where revenge is more like, no, we're going to teach him how to do things the right way, and he'll be good at the end. It's the Charles Dickens uh, character arc, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> from A Christmas Carol. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, regardless, I had a really good time with this one. Uh, I've said it again. You know, I've said it multiple times. I'll say it again. I, I, For whatever it's worth, if you go into it knowing it's a PG-13 family-oriented Halloween movie, I think most people are going to have a good time with it. Um, yeah, in fact, I think I, it's one of the better ones. A better, at least in recent memory, to me, it feels like one of the better family-oriented horror movies that we've seen. Yeah, and I would almost say that like it could be borderline PG. Like I'm trying to think: is it PG-13 because they figure, oh, kid, like littler kids might get scared? Because otherwise, <laughs> no, I think I they, know, say they, yeah. they say shit a couple oh, times. They say shit a couple times. Plus, um, because of the rating board, if if kids are on screen doing anything illegal, it's automatically a PG-13. Yeah, the kids in in here are breaking into a retail outlet. So, you know, you don't want to you don't want to necessarily glorify that. So, Mm, okay, I see. Yeah, no, I I caught it. I know. (laughs) Yeah, no, they also. uh, I mean, it makes sense. If those are hard rules and that would make sense. 
All right, folks. Well, um, this is going to be your final spoiler warning. Now, as Mike has said, this movie does not come out for what another. If you're listening to this on the 30th when we release it, this film will not be out until October 11th. So this is a hard spoiler warning. If you have any interest in watching this film at all, go ahead and pause the podcast and come back in, what, two weeks after you've seen the film. If you've already seen the film, maybe you already got a screener. Obviously, you're welcome to stay with us. Or if you just don't care about this film and are not likely going to watch it, then, uh, again, you're absolutely invited to stay with us. But I just want everyone listening to my voice right now to understand this movie does not come out for almost two weeks as you're listening to this episode. So please, please bear that in mind if you decide to continue listening. So this is going to be a pretty quick walkthrough. Honestly, there's not really a whole lot of plot points here, but our movie opens up uh, with a cold open here. We see um, it's October 31st. They don't give us an exact date. They just say a long time ago, like it's a damn star Wars movie or something, but yeah, it is Halloween. Um, we, you can tell it's kind of the turn of the century because there are cars, but they're kind of like Model T's and Edsel's, you know, from the 20s and 30s. So, you know, you can kind of kind of place the timeline a little bit. We see Christopher Lloyd and he shows up at the town orphanage. Uh, this town has a small orphanage. Obviously, back then, the orphanage is just basically this shack that, you know, with one adult pretty much caring for all of these unwanted kids. And Christopher Lloyd, um, I forgot his character's name, Alex Windsor. He is Alex Windsor. He is, like I said, a land developer. Um, he's trying to build new and better properties. He's trying to expand the town, basically. So he uh, basically does a hostile takeover of the property. He doesn't explain what he did, but he does, he does something shady and is somehow able to procure the ownership of this land. Uh, he shows up and he tells the one adult that's monitoring all the children that you have 48 hours to vacate the premises. And then he just kind of laughs and walks away. He just drops the paperwork on the ground in front of her. As he starts to walk away, the adult woman starts chanting something in a, another language. It could be Latin, something along those lines. I'm not sure. But basically, she starts chanting. As soon as she starts chanting, we see the, the, the clouds um, develop in the sky, like the, 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 the sky turns gray. We see the clouds moving around. A great gust of wind suddenly appears. And like I said, she's chanting. Suddenly, the chanting starts to become echoey and you know loud. And finally, she stops and the music kind of comes to a crescendo and it also stops and nothing happens. And of course, Christopher Lloyd's character being the asshole that he is, he fakes um, like he's uh, choking or whatever. And then he just once, uh, you know, he kind of lets it be known that he's just fucking with them. He starts to walk away. And then suddenly all we hear is a body hit the ground. We don't actually see anything. When the camera pans back to Christopher Lloyd, he's basically on the ground dead. And we see a bright blue ball come out of his body. I'm, I assume we're supposed to believe that's his spirit or ghost or whatever you want to go with. And that's the last thing we see. Um, it, it almost looks like the spirit just kind of ascends up to heaven and then we get our title card. So, you know, keep that in mind. So, like I said, uh, after our opening credits, we are introduced to um, our three kids. They are Bo, Carson, and what's the main kid's name? I forgot already. Is that Frank? Carson? Yeah. No, Jake, I thought. 
Yeah, there it is. Jake. Ha. Jake, Carson, yeah, and Bo. Right. They are the main Jake. three kids. Um, Carson is kind of the older kid of the group. I mean, older by eight months, but still, you know, considers himself like the senior member of the group. I mean, when we first introduced to him, he's joking about getting chest hairs that he's starting to grow chest hairs. And he's making fun of his friend, Jake, who is eight months younger than him. They also hang out with a kid named Bo, who looks like he's like the youngest of the three. He's a little black kid. He looks like he's he could be the same age and maybe just didn't grow as tall. But whatever. He, he tends to look a little bit younger. But they're three best friends that, you know, kind of do everything together. They have a tradition of going trick or treating. Of course, um, Carson is the first one to say, I don't think I want to go trick or treating this year, obviously citing the fact that they're getting older and eventually they're going to be able to go to like high school Halloween parties and things like that. Uh, Jake is obviously trying to hold on to his family tradition. And the reason is uh, Jake's uh, biological father is gone. He has died before the movie started. So Jake is living with his mother, his new half-sister, and um, his new stepdad. Now, stepdad isn't necessarily a bad guy. He's not like an evil stepdad by any stretch. I will say he's not a very good parent, and I'll explain that in a little bit later. But uh, Jake basically comes home from school one day, and he sees that they're doing, uh, they're doing the Halloween decorations outside of the house like they do every year. But this year, because they have a new little girl in the family they're adding like princess stuff to the display. So it's not all just scary stuff. There's actually some girly stuff in there too. Jake instantly just gets mad about it, ends up telling his sister that princess stuff is stupid and you're stupid, which totally made me fly off the handle because this is a perfect, this was a teaching moment for dad. You know, dad could have easily just sat Jake down and said, Hey, listen, buddy, I know things are changing, but ultimately Halloween isn't just for you. You have a little sister now and she enjoys Halloween too. It wouldn't be fair to just do the decorations for you and not for her. Instead, what the dad does is he fucking just gives him a, a random chore for putting up lights and doesn't even acknowledge it. Basically, just I think he just makes the comment of, well, you know, maybe it's time for new traditions and then hands them a string of lights and says, go ahead and put these up. And it's like, wow, that's a bad fucking parent. That was a teaching moment for that dad, especially for considering he's a stepdad. He really could have earned some brownie points there. But instead, he took the easy way out and just gave him a random chore. Parents, don't do that. <laughs> if your kids want to talk about something, fucking talk to them about it. Don't give them a random chore just to get them out of your face because it just makes life worse. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so like I said, after, um, Carson tells them that he doesn't want to go trick or treating anymore. Um, Jake kind of puts his foot down and says, dude, this is something we do every year. How are we just going to stop doing it now? So they come up with the concession that, okay, we'll still hang out at Halloween. I just don't want to trick or treat, you know, we'll do something else. We'll do something fun, something scary, something creepy, but I don't want to trick or treat. Uh, Jake relents and says, okay, we'll figure out what to do later. Um, the next day, it is Devil's Night, which, of course, is the night before Halloween. But in this movie, they call it Fright Night. Have you guys ever heard the day before Halloween called Fright Night? I've never heard of that. Uh, I'm not aware of that either, nope. But yeah, I mean, they call it Fright Night in the movie. It's definitely the day before Halloween, because it's the day before they go to Spirit Halloween. Anyway, I forgot some... Oh, go ahead, Don. I was going to say, I've always heard of it as Mischief Night, not Fright Night. 
Thank you. Yes, Mischief Night I've heard. Devil's Night, obviously, we got from the Crow movie. Um, but yeah, uh, never heard uh, Fright Night. So there you go. We have a new term for October 30th, <laughs> assuming it catches on. So um, I forgot to mention that earlier on when the boys were going home from school one day, they they uh, rode their bikes by a Spirit Halloween and they were surprised that there was a Spirit Halloween. Now, folks, it's October 29th. How are these kids who love Halloween only now finding out that there's a spirit Halloween in their town? It's not like it opened up overnight. These things open up in September, for God's sake, sometimes August, depending on the market. So, yeah, so that instantly I'm like, what? I mean, maybe it's a supernatural thing. Maybe that store just popped up overnight specifically with the intention of doing, you know, what ends up happening. I don't know. But for whatever it's worth, yeah. The Spirit Halloween appeared on October 29th, so I guess we'll accept it. Um, so like I said, the night before Halloween, they go to, uh, they go to a theater in town and they watch a uh, play that's basically um, the backstory of Christopher Lloyd's character, uh, Alex Windsor. But they they have a different take on Alex Windsor in modern times. They look at him positively. They at one point, Jake even says, you know, everybody, you know, everybody knows him. He was definitely real. He built half the town. So obviously him being a land development uh, developer, you know, makes sense. He obviously brought this town to prosperity, but maybe he was doing it through shady techniques. Who knows? Like I said, the cold open kind of implies that he's been doing shady stuff, but we never really get a full-on explanation or why he deserved the treatment that he got, but there you go. And after the after the kids leave the um, the play, they're still trying to decide what to do on Halloween. And Jake has the brilliant idea of why don't we sneak into Spirit Halloween and stay there all night? You know, we'll hide we'll hide in the store, and you know, when when all the employees are gone, we'll go and you know do what we want. Blah 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 go ahead and hide again once the sun comes out and once the store is open and they hear customers, you know, they can just kind of sneak back into the crowd and no one's the wiser. So um, that's exactly what they do. They end up going to spirit Halloween on Halloween night, just as they're closing. And after the last employee leaves the store and turns all the lights off, we see that the kids were hiding. Two of them were hiding in a coffin, like a, like a coffin display. And the third one was hiding in one of those little like clubhouse type things. One of those spooky clubhouses that some kids have. And then, like I said, they come out and they just start having fun. That's when we have our montage with the, the cool little funky song playing. Um, these kids just all having fun, having a good time, blah, blah, blah. Now, while this is all happening, Carson's older sister, who is supposed to be watching these kids realizes that, um, Jake left. I forget if it was Carson or Jake. One of them left their phone at home. It must have been Carson because Carson's her brother. They, she realizes that Carson left his phone there and his mother doesn't like when he doesn't have his phone on him. He likes to be she likes him to be reachable, as she says in the film. So she basically starts going to all the normal places. First, she goes to Jake's house, but Jake's mother let her lets her know, oh, they're at Bo's house. Which, you know, of course, is a lie. All three of them told their parents a, a different place that they were going to be at so that they could go and spend the whole night in Spirit Halloween. She ends up going to Jake's house. She ends up going to Bo's house and has an interesting interaction with Bo's grandmother, who looks like she's blind in one eye. She's got one eye that's like that glazed over look, that zombie eye, if you will. She gives um, the grandmother, that is, um, 
Grandma G, I believe they call her. By the way, played by Marla Gibbs. And I don't know if anybody out there is old enough to remember the Jeffersons, but Marla Gibbs was the Jeffersons housekeeper. And I died like years ago. I was surprised. Yeah, that's what I thought. Exactly. I'm like, I I thought everybody from the Jeffersons was gone. You know, the, the main cast, the older people. But yeah, it was still cool to see her in here. And I knew her. I recognized her face, but I didn't know what I knew her from. And then when I saw her name in the, in the credits, it's like, oh, Marla Gibbs, that's awesome. Anyway, back to it. Um, so after um, the girl, I forget her damn name already. What was, what was Carson's sister's name? Sue, no, Sue is Rachel Lee Cook. Kate, right? Is it Kate? I'm going to say it's Kate. Yeah, she's got to be the only other girl in the cast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like I said, at this point, Kate has left it's both Sue. James and huh? Sue. Sue is Rachel Lee Cook. That's uh, Jake's mom. Oh, sorry, I thought you said Rachel Lee Cook. Sorry. Yep. No. Um, so yeah. So after Kate leaves Bo's house, obviously she doesn't know where they are now because she's uh, she knows they're not at Carson's house, her house, her brother's mm-hmm. house. And then she went to the other two friends and they're not there. So she literally unlocks her brother's phone and just starts flipping through his social media to see what he posted about. Luckily, these kids were dumb enough to have a text exchange between each other where the exchange starts with a picture of the Spirit Halloween store and then them talking about, you know, being in there, how scary it's going to be after dark and blah, blah, blah. So she realizes, oh, they're probably at the Spirit Halloween store. So off she goes to the Spirit Halloween store. And while she's on her way there, our our kids uh, basically have their first kind of uh, weird thing happen in the store. Basically, after they're done with their little playing montage, they look down one of the aisles and they see a creepy ass doll, just a classic creepy doll standing in the middle of the aisle where it very obviously was not before. Carson asks, was that doll there before? Jake answers, I'm going to say yes. And I'm sure he's saying that just so that he doesn't freak everybody else out even more. As they go to put the doll back where it belongs, they start hearing noise from the fortune teller. You guys remember those old fortune tellers like at the beginning of Big, the Tom Hanks movie Big. Um, We've seen them in multiple movies, but basically one of those um, mechanical fortune tellers. That thing starts making noise and then they walk up to it and they literally start asking it questions and it starts giving them yes or no answers. You know, there's like a yes light and a no light on the machine itself. And they figure out that it's Alex Windsor. They, they literally out of nowhere, they just ask, is it Alex? Is Alex Windsor here with us? And the fortune teller says yes. And then what we see is we see the, fa- the, the fortune teller, like the, the actual statue part inside of the glass tank, fall forward, breaking the glass of the, um, of the fortune teller, you know, the whole display, the whole apparatus. And at that moment, we see the same blue light that came out of Alex Windsor's body in the cold open. We see that same blue light leave the machine and basically starts to look for something that he can inhabit. He ends up finding what is called, let me see, what do they call? I think it was, oh, Mr. Dark. Mr. Dark is the name of the first animatronic that he possesses. Uh, Basically, we see the spirit, the blue ball, go into one of the animatronics that's set up in the store. You know, one of those ones that jumps out and scares you as you walk by it. He, we see the spirit ball kind of go into the Mr. Dark figure. And then it literally just comes to life and just starts walking around 
chasing these kids. Now, the funny thing about this is that because the spirit is in an animatronic, it's not all that strong. Uh, he can be knocked over fairly easily. We see literally the very first interaction with him. One of the kids knocks him down with a plastic sickle. Like it's not even a real sickle. It's fucking plastic, but he hits him in the back of the legs with it and he falls backwards. So, you know, obviously these kids know that these are animatronics, no matter what's possessing them. They're still animatronics. You know, it's not like they'll bleed. It's not like they'll be that hard to bring down, blah, blah, blah. Um, eventually uh, they trap, or should I say they get Mr. Dark to get into one of the corners chasing Jake, just as Mr. Dark, uh, you know, as Alex Windsor is about to kill Jake. We see um, Carson come out of the woodworks with a baseball bat and knock the head off the animatronic, off the Mr. Dark animatronic. As the head rolls away from the body, once again, we see the blue light kind of leave the head and start traveling throughout the store. The kids see this, but for whatever reason, they don't really decide to follow the light or anything. They just decide to start hiding. So while they go and hide in one of the offices in the back, Mr. Dark, we have this kind of kind of funny scene. I found it funny anyway, where we see the little blue ball going through the store looking for a new animatronic to possess. First, he goes up to that creepy doll, the one that we saw earlier in the aisle, and just you know, the ball just kind of hovers in front of it for a while and then it and then it leaves, decides, nah, I don't want to be a doll. And then he sees something that looks like a crash test dummy. Again, very off-putting, very creepy looking if you saw it moving around in a store by itself. But then he says no to that, too. He's like, nah, I don't want that one either. And what does he end up picking? The least scary fucking thing inside of Spirit Halloween, a giant teddy bear. Yes, he literally is now possessing a six-foot teddy bear, and he's literally walking around in this teddy bear. It's kind of funny because when he first takes possession of the bear, he's having trouble walking, and he actually makes a comment of, oh, I got I to gotta get these legs up to speed, you know? So I thought that was kind of cool that they just added that little line that to some people is a throwaway line, but to me it's like one of those lines that explains a lot, you know? So uh, at this point, the teddy bear is chasing the kids around, and also, at the same moment, Kate has arrived at the Spirit Halloween. She tries going in the front door, unable to open the door. Of course, they're bolted shut from the outside, so she's not going to get in. She ends up deciding to climb up to the ceiling and go down like a vent, uh, some kind of ventilation system. She goes in that way, falls from the ceiling onto the floor. So, unfortunately, she has no way of getting out. She and the boys have no way of getting out now because like I said, she fell from the ceiling and there's not really anything. There's no ladder or anything around for them to be able to climb back up to that vent, which is up on the ceiling. Like I said, so at this point, all four of them are now hiding in the back office while uh, the teddy bear, the evil teddy bear is at the door talking to him the whole time too. And, and Another reason that I really like this movie is Christopher Lloyd. Like you guys remember about a month ago, we uh, we reviewed Glorious with uh, J.K. Simmons as the voice of the elder god in in that movie. And I absolutely loved it because I am a fan of J.K. Simmons. Well, guess what? I'm a fan of Christopher Lloyd, too. So just hearing his voice throughout the majority of the film, I still thoroughly enjoyed. Um, we don't see him in his corporeal form, if you will. Other than the cold open, after that, he's just a, a spirit ball or uh, one of the many possessed items that he takes control of. Like I said, he's the teddy bear right now. Now, 
while they're trapped in the office and, you know, the teddy bear is outside the door trying to smash his way in. Jake pulls out a book that his father had given him, given him his dead father. And it's a, it's a book on like supernatural spirits and things like that. And he's able to find a chapter on hauntings in there where he reads that, you know, for one hour a day on the anniversary of their death, certain un restless spirits, I guess would be the best way to put it. Certain restless spirits can try to find a way back into the world of the living. Um, now, apparently, it doesn't correspond with the hour of their death because Christopher Lloyd's character was killed in the middle of the day. And the hour that he's given to be able to try to get out of his situation is the last hour of the day, because literally right at 11 o'clock, the shit kind of hits the fan. That's when we start to have uh, mild supernatural occurrences and then the whole thing with the fortune teller. So. So from so basically, the spirit has one hour to try to escape the world of the dead. And, but we don't know how at this point, the book doesn't really explain what can, you know, what exactly they, the spirit needs, uh, you know, to join our world. But what the book does say is what needs to be done to get rid of the spirit, or at least to trap the spirit back where he was. And those instructions are basically to burn three things that uh, Alex Windsor found, important they decide to go ahead and burn three of the animatronic costumes that he uh, wore throughout this throughout this movie i know we've only gotten up to two but we'll get to the last two in a second and uh, basically they have to burn those three items plus one item that means a lot personally to the person doing this ritual um at first Kate had given Jake a necklace, a necklace that her grandmother had given her. So she said it means a lot. So let's go ahead and use this as, you know, the totem or whatever that has to be burned. You know, the important thing um, in we see Jake kind of going around collecting the different heads of all the creatures that uh, Alex Windsor had. Possessed and. I'm, I'm going to skip that for now, actually, because I think I skipped the big part. Um, at this point, they're in the office and they're just reading about what they need to do. They need to burn these three items plus a fourth item that means something to the person running the ritual. Eventually, they find the blueprints to the store and they realize that there's an access to the basement somewhere in the office that they're in, but they can't find it. Kate is smart enough to realize that the back wall um, slides out. And there's like a yet another smaller office behind there. And then right there, we see the trap door. You know, we see that there's a trap door there. Now, while while they're doing all this, um, the teddy bear out at the door basically decides I'm not going to be able to get through this door while I'm possessing a teddy bear. I mean, this thing doesn't have a skeleton or anything hard inside of it. So he decides to go and possess something else. And this time, uh, the animatronic that he decides to possess is called Buzzsaw. But this animatronic is basically your classic bald, big redneck, you know, wearing overalls with a crazy look on his face. He's got one. He's got a mallet as one hand, like a large mallet or hammer. And his other hand is a chainsaw. But obviously this is an animatronic, so it's not a real chainsaw. It's going to be plastic or something, something non-lethal. Same thing with the mallet. Um, while using that animatronic, he is able to smash the door down, the closet door. Obviously, at this point, the kids have already left the office, uh, the office door, I meant, not the closet. Um, 
And after he after he gets into the room that he was trying to get into so badly that he realizes that he can't open the trap door because he doesn't have any hands. Like I said, he's got a mallet and a chainsaw as hands. He literally can't open the trap door. So then we see him physically get pissed off and walk out of the office, basically saying, I need to find one of these things with hands. If <laughs> I, I thought it was fucking funny to hear him say that because he's literally got a chainsaw and a mallet as hands, two ultra deadly weapons, but he needs hands to get through this, uh, this trap door. So, he ends up going back and possessing the last of his items, and that is the Nightcrawler that we talked about earlier. I think this Nightcrawler is legit scary enough to fuck up some kids. Like, we were we were talking earlier about how, you know, kid-appropriate this movie is and that nothing in here is really all that scary. The only thing I'm going to disagree with is the Nightcrawler because the Nightcrawler is basically crawling around on all fours And he's got just this demonic howl that's, I mean, fuck, I was scared for half a second, you know? So I couldn't imagine a kid in this situation looking at this four-legged thing chasing him. Um, So anyway, um, the Nightcrawler eventually does find them. And where does he find them? Uh, The kids, like I said, they went down into the basement. While they're in the basement, lo and behold, they find the original orphanage, the little tiny shack. From the cold open, it is still there, but it's underground. So it's under the spirit Halloween that they built there. And while they're in there, you know, they're looking for more, you know, trying to find some more information, blah, blah, blah. And while they're there, the Nightcrawler does finally catch up to them. And, you know, this thing's fucking terrifying, I think. I mean, he's at one point he sticks his head through the window of the shack and just absolutely terrifying. The kids run away. Uh, The Nightcrawler continues to chase them. Eventually, as they're running away, Bo falls down. And instead of getting up and running, he basically tells one of the kids to throw him an aerosol can. They, they, they had a couple of aerosol cans with them for some reason and basically lights up the Nightcrawler in what was actually a really good looking scene. Like the image of the Nightcrawler on fire is almost as terrifying as the Nightcrawler itself. I, I really did enjoy that whole thing. And then the final shot of the Nightcrawler is basically the the facial part of the animatronic just melting off and uh, just looks so cool. I really liked it. Um, so at this point, this is when they go and they start to take their um, their plan into effect. Now, when they were reading that book, it also told them what Alex Windsor would need to remain in this world. And basically all he needs is a living human to possess. Uh, they find out in the book that not only can he possess inanimate objects, he can also possess people. And that's how he is, you know, basically going to try to escape the afterlife. Um, he has one hour, so he only has until midnight to, you know, to finally possess one of these kids. Eventually, uh, he is able to finally possess one of them. Uh, the caveat to the possession, though, is that the, the person being possessed has to be sleeping or knocked out. They have to be unconscious in some way. They can't be. He can't just take over a, you know, fully awake human. So he does eventually set it up so that something ends up hitting Kate in the head. She is knocked out cold. And then we see the blue ball go into her mouth. And literally, she basically pulls a Maxine from Stranger Things and just starts floating straight up in the air in the Jesus Christ pose with her arms out. And then suddenly she kind of 
comes to and we hear Alex Windsor's voice coming out of her body and we realize that, yes, he has successfully possessed her, but it's still not midnight. So the kids still do have a chance to kind of dispatch him. Basically, while uh, after Kate is possessed by Alex Windsor, she ends up going to the top of the store up on the scaffolding. She's still inside, but up on top and she's possessing all the animatronics in the store at once. So basically every animatronic starts walking, starts getting up. Every like toy, like toy doll that was in a box starts tearing its way out of the box. And literally these kids are just getting marauded with these toys. But then after a a few seconds of this, Jake has the idea to sneak behind Kate while Bo is basically distracting her from the front. And he is uh, he's able to get a string, uh, a rope, excuse me. He's able to get a rope around, or should I say Bo is able to get the rope around Kate's ankle. ankle. And as soon as the rope is around the ankle, Jake jumps off the scaffolding and, you know, basically pulls her up. And now she's floating in midair, but not literally floating. She's tied up by one leg. As soon as she's tied up, as soon as she's pulled up, all the animatronics fall down. She's lost control of all of them. And this is when the kids are like, okay, we got to, we got to get to it. We got to finish this. So, you know, they get the head of uh, Mr. Dark. They get the head from uh, Buzzsaw. And then they get the whole torso from the fortune teller machine. Plus what they were going to use originally was a picture of Jake and his family with his original dad, his biological dad, because it, it's like one of the only pictures he has of the whole family together. And it means a lot to him. But once right after Kate was possessed by Windsor, she basically takes the picture out of his hand and eats it in front of him. So now they don't have the picture. But what they end up doing is Jake remembers that he has the the, the supernatural book that his father gave him. And he even has an inscription on the front, something along the lines of here's to a lifetime of Halloween's together. Obviously very sad since he's no longer with us. And Jake looks at the book one last time and throws it into the fire that's already burning the other three items. At that exact moment, we see um, we see Kate start to kind of come to. We see the blue ball of light come out of her mouth and we kind of see the blue ball just kind of disappear like it doesn't go. Obviously, they burn the fortune teller machine, so he can't go back in there. So he's basically just kind of in limbo. It's now midnight. So, you know, his plan is thwarted, but he still is a blue light floating around. Uh, It just seems like he can't really do anything now. He can't possess anybody, blah, blah, blah. He's outside of his one hour. So at that moment, Jake's mom shows up. Uh, She kind of she was out looking for Jake because she wasn't able to get a hold of him either on his cell phone. And when she gets to the spirit Halloween, like basically the finale is occurring and all there's lights coming out of the store. So she knows there's something wrong. She's basically trying to get into the store. Finally, once everything is over, the kids come out of the store on their own. Mom is out there waiting for them. We have, you know, we have this great moment. Everybody hugs, you know, everybody's happy. She, you know, mom is obviously a little cross with Jake because she kind of, you know, he broke into a goddamn retail business to spend the night. So, yeah, if he'd have gotten caught by a cop, you know, his night would have gone a lot different. But um, basically, Jake asks, well, can I still just walk home with my friends, you know, 
for whatever reason, he wanted to walk home. He didn't want to go home with his mother. At first, she says no, but then we see all the kids kind of look at her with puppy dog eyes, and she relents and says, okay, okay, fine, walk home with your friends. But then Carson is the first one to say, you know what? After everything we've been through, I'm not saying no to a ride home. And then slowly, each of them decide, okay, fuck it, let's take the ride home. They end up taking the ride home. Everybody's happy, and then we get an epitaph to the film, like a closing segment that takes place one year later. And what we see is Jake, once again, um, going trick-or-treating. This time, instead of giving him a big deal or making a big deal about it or making fun of him, Carson and Bo are both just like, oh, we're going to go help Kate with the party. You know, you go do your thing, blah, blah, blah. And then what we see is a sweet moment between Jake and his sister where they're both wearing Dia de los Muertos makeup, but she's still dressed like a princess. It's just a Dia de los Muertos uh, princess now. And he's got like the, uh, I don't know, like the, the voodoo doctor type outfit on with the top hat. And he also has that skull makeup. So, and then they all go, they go trick or treating and we see stepdad, you know, pull Jake aside and say, thank you for this. I'm really proud of you. They hug. And that's our film, folks. That is Spirit Halloween 2022. Now, one thing I, I do kind of like about this movie is that they, since they don't flat out, and, and there is a post credit scene. Give me a second. Um, do you want to reveal that one? Do you want to reveal that one or just leave it with that? Just mention no, no, that no, there's I'll a... Reveal it. I'll reveal it. I just wanted to get this point out while I'm thinking about it. Um, and I lost the point anyway. So, ha Okay, uh, the reveal, the post credit scene is basically we're back at the underground orphanage, the orphanage that got buried. And we see Bo's grandmother down there performing some kind of ritual. She's got Alex Windsor's skull there with her, which the kids did find earlier in the film. I forgot to mention that. But um, she's got the skull and she's... She's basically saying something, something requiem, uh, spirit requiem or something like that. And she's repeating it over and over. It almost looks like she's trapping um, Alex Windsor's spirit back into maybe the skull or whatever item she was trapping him in. And then we, we realize that Bo's grandmother is the little girl from the opening scene. Now, I didn't really mention the little girl because she doesn't really do anything. She's just standing there hiding behind the adult while the adult does her incantation. And like I said, it's just a quick flash where they show like the image of the little girl, you know, kind of superimposed over the image of Bo's grandmother. And it seems like she's basically keeping Alex Windsor's spirit at bay. So it seems like, it seems like she's probably used to this. He, he probably gets out every year for one hour on Halloween. And she's always the one to kind of set everything right and get back to the status quo when everything is said and done. So yeah, that's our post credit scene. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, what can I say? I had a good time with this movie. I've already watched it twice and I'm not going to say I won't watch it again before Halloween comes. It's not going to be like a 31 days of terror type movie, but you know, if the wife comes home and wants to watch like a fun horror movie, I, th- this might be one I might suggest. Cause it's so, like I said, it's basically brainless. You don't, you can turn your brain off and just enjoy the silliness as it's presented to you. So yeah. All in all, I had a good time with it. Yeah, same here. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we get out of here, let's uh, find out what or where we can be heard. So, Venom, what do you got? 
All right. No More Room in Hell presents the Crystal Lake Gift Shop. It's officially out. Episode one is out there. And um, that is available anywhere you get No More Room in Hell uh, shows. You're going to get, you know, if you get the main show, you're going to get all the side casts as well. Mike's new show, my new, you know, our new show, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, what are we up to now? Like four or five, five titles in the family now. Yeah, five podcasts. So we're building a little family here, a little podcast family. I like it. So uh, like I said, that's episode one where we looked at the first episode of Friday the 13th, the TV series. Doug Tilly, our old friend from the Theme Warriors podcast, was our guest. And we had a great time talking about the first episode and talking about what might be in store for Mike and I as we you know, move forward with this adventure. Obviously, the first episode is usually going to be a pretty good one in a series. But uh, if this series was on for three years, so hopefully me and Mike don't go crazy watching these episodes. I was a fan when it first aired, but I have not watched an episode since they first ran. So this is kind of a I'm trying to see if my nostalgia is going to serve me well or, you know, basically screw me over. So let's find out together, shall we? Uh, let's see. Uh, Creature Comfort's bonus episode, the Fantasia Fest episode, is still available. Don and myself looked at three yet-to-be-released uh, monster movies that played at the Fantasia Fest this year, so check that out. That's a nice quick episode, too. It's a quick listen. Those reviews, by the way, are all spoiler-free, as I'm not sure if any of the three movies have actually gotten an American release date yet. So uh, they They're not released yet, but the one does have an upcoming one. Right, right, yep, the, the old, the first movie that we looked at, so, right. awesome. Uh, let's see what else, um, and then, man, I haven't done many guest spots, we do have the main show, No More Room in Hell, episode number 48, uh, just came out last week, uh, we looked at my picks for that one, and that was, um, we looked at 1960s Eyes Without a Face, which was a suggestion from a listener, so, Folks, we actually listen to our listeners, so if there's ever a movie you want to see us talk about on any of our shows, by all means, hit us up. We're usually pretty friendly. So yeah, my friend Lucy hit me up and wanted to know my thoughts on Eyes Without a Face, so I went ahead and just made it a part of the new podcast. Along with that, we also looked at 2014's Goodnight Mommy. So we basically did a facial trauma episode, if you will. Um, that, like I said, is now available. So check that out. Yeah, we're, we're creeping closer and closer to our 50th episode, which is pretty cool. And, um, did you guys by any chance see that meme that court psyops posted today? Probably. Was, uh-uh. it, it was the one that was saying like 80% of podcasts don't make it to episode 10, 90% oh, yeah, of podcasts yeah, yeah. don't make it to episode 20. And that if you've at least made 24 episodes, you're in like the top 1% of podcast i'm thinking wow we're way past that that's awesome so I, all, I, mean, that's, all i remember is just, <laughs> all i remember is duncan's replies and well what happens if you hit a 1100 exactly yeah poor duncan jesus that 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 guy podcasts almost every day god bless him cthulhu bless him i should say but yeah uh, i think that's it for me it's all no more room in hell stuff i don't have any guest spots i've got a couple come up on cut to the chase um Maybe one other one that I, that's slipping my mind right now. But yeah, otherwise, you can hear me on the No More Room in Hell shows. That's it for me. All right, I'll throw it over to Don. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, No More Room in Hell, Creature Comforts, uh, the Fantasia episode is available. 
I think we're finalizing plans for our uh, traditional next episode, but um, I, I don't want to say anything yet because we're still in the process of, uh, dis- of discussing everything. But I think there's plans in motion for something, but uh, we'll let you know later on about that one. Uh, I do have um, a little bit of sad news to say. Um, the first season of uh, Horror Countdown is officially done with the latest episode. Uh, I had a friend of mine on to look at the top ten films from director Sergio Martino, because we're both uh, huge fans of his. So uh, we we ran through uh, general, a lot of it was uh, horror, but uh, there was a few of the uh, other non-genre fairs, just because we said work of Sergio Martino, not, you know, strictly horror based so yeah there's a few non-genre fare in there but uh hopefully you'll uh, have a little fun with that and uh check out the back catalog because uh the show is going on hiatus for uh, the rest of the year um it will be back for season two in the beginning of the year but as of now uh this is season one and uh go ahead and check that out wherever it's available and uh much like venom i have an upcoming guest spots for a couple of shows, but uh, nothing I can really say for it now. But uh, yeah, I think that's it for me. Okay, um, I don't really have anything to add. Uh, all my stuff that's out has been out for a couple of weeks, so I've already had a chance to promote it. I guess like the latest one or the latest two is the No More Room in Hell that Venom mentioned and then watch this movie Mike with uh Bo Ransdell as the guest where we talked about Harvey after I kinda interviewed him for uh, his interview actually went pretty long. We we got to chatting and just we kept going and going. So that's actually the longest episode of I mean it's a it's it's very early in the tenure of that podcast anyway. It's only the third episode or actually no fourth yeah but um yeah so listen to that if you're interested and that's about it uh i'm pretty sure the next episode of fresh cuts will be smile right mm-hmm. that hits the theaters this week so keep an eye out for that i actually saw that they were doing some pretty interesting advertising they were putting people in the stands of like mlb games yeah and just smiling that. at the camera <laughs> and one of them was in oakland too that's pretty funny I, I guess they thought it, <laughs> I'm sure in Oakland, where no one's going to games right now, it's pretty easy to buy a seat behind home plates. So, <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> but yeah, so look for the episode of Smile to be first October episode, and uh, hopefully, you know, I'm I'm guessing you know, there's going to be plenty of movies to cover, whether they're in the theater or not, because we're at that part of the season. So should be some good stuff, good choices coming up, but. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Fresh Cuts. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will catch you next time. Let's say bye to listeners. Later. Stay out of spirit Halloween, unless it's open, and then please go. Visiting hours are open.